Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. I'm one of the many Matts. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now and on chain forever. We are very happy and excited. It's a long time coming. This took a lot of uh, back and forth with time zones and things, but we are here. We're happy. We're excited. Chain Leftist is here. Chain Left is here with us. Hi, John. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. I was trying to think about this and I feel like I, I knew of you because you're one of the few leftist, like openly and proud, <laughs> loud, mm-hmm. along with, as we were talking about a second ago, off mic, blockchain socialist, like actual real deal leftist kind of ideal person. And so sometime in the past, I was like seeing your tweets and and I think we followed each other. And it's been really amazing to sort of watch your journey, I feel like my my perception of your journey has been like, I saw how much into historical NFTs you had been. So that's one thing that I would love to talk about is your, your whole take on historic NFTs. And we've actually had Adam McBride on here. So, you know, we can maybe compare and contrast some thoughts because everyone has their own way of thinking about it. But then I don't know, I'm going to like throw out a number here and you can tell me if it's wrong or right, but like maybe like eight months ago or some sometime relatively recently, you started doing your own on-chain artworks, which I feel like in some ways have culminated here with the Chaos Roads drop, which is just amazing and has so much cool stuff going on. So we have to talk about that. Did I get that timeline generally right or, yeah, or am I way off base? No, no, you're you're right. I think over. I mean, overall, there are some minor maybe things I can add. So, uh, in this space, I guess like the in the NFT space in general, I, I've always been interested in technology and the the new concepts that get enabled with this, right? So the the art side of it, the innovation, the boundary pushing, that's the stuff since the like beginning since I've been in. I think that was immediately what I was after. So obviously, historical NFTs fit that definition because. It's, you know, everything that happened in the past are the innovations of that time. So that was interesting already at that point. And uh, when it comes to on-chain, I think the, the reason on-chain got really, I guess, took my interest the most was that that, that I felt, felt that that was an area that there were a lot of interesting concepts that can be achieved, like those boundary-pushing things that I've already researched in historical NFTs on-chain was one area that I felt like there could be even more of those. Mm-hmm. So so I started, you know, following these things a lot. And and I actually kind of did a few things in a test net in even 2021. Oh, cool. But I haven't, I've never like really got into like a proper, you know, t- uh, main net release. Mainly because at the time, especially like th- that was actually a gen art. Like I wrote proper like, you know, solidity contract to generate art. Actually similar to, sort of similar to, not as advanced as Chaos Roads. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. Yeah, but I, I did a few things there. And uh, I did a release only because at the time I thought that releasing a gen art, which has a certain supply, right? Like, you know, 100, 200, 500,000. That kind of comes with certain maybe expectations. And I just didn't want to like start 
to just stress myself. Like for me, the selling part is the stressful part. Like not Absolutely, the actual building, yeah. The selling. I, I think you know that very well. <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I never really, I didn't want to stress myself really. But then, you know, I thought, okay, like, why don't we start small? So about 11 months, 12 months ago, like I would say almost a year now, I started with this uh, Art Ponzi, which is the the on-chain collections that, that, that was more like a, editions and one-of-ones essentially. Right. So that was very small. So that, that's why I was okay to start that because it was a small start. And then, you know, I slowly grew that collection and then, you know, I did it like fake rare collab and a few other things, some inscriptions as well. So this kind of, it almost really slow, gradual growth was really what I was after, what I was comfortable with. And that's kind of how the chaos rolls happened as well. Okay, I, I, I felt finally comfortable enough to actually release a collection with a decent size, like 400 pieces. And I thought that if I'm going to release something, it should be something that is like new and unique and, and never been done. So... That was the, I guess, mindset when I was doing that. that that's the timeline, I, essentially. I, I can't wait to get into that. I, but for, I, I want to go. I want to go back into some of the history stuff first with mm-hmm. you. Sort of get get that stuff out of the way, as it were. I guess first, actually, when did you enter the space? Was it 2021 that you first NFTs, sort of these NFTs? Yeah. 2021, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like the, my first NFT purchase was 21. Uh, uh-huh. like what the, was your first NFT purchase? I actually don't remember a lot, but I think it might be either this, uh, what is it called? I don't even remember. Yeah, Parallel, you know, this game. Oh, the uh, card, the Parallel Training card. Game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it might be that, or Sweet. it might be, I tweet about them a lot because I really love this uh, developer, uh, IntArt. Like, uh, they've released a collection called Dudes, an interactive art so th- it uh-huh. might be that as well i'm not sure it's one of the one of the two i think that I, I bought first check the chain the chain yeah. the chain check tells yeah, all it's worth checking the chain yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome so okay so so but then but then you got really into the the historic stuff and i'll ask you the same question i think we asked adam which is what do you consider? I, this is like such a loaded question, obviously. <laughs> what is historical? W- what do you consider to be the first NFT? Oh, the first NFT? I yeah. consider <laughs> it's the that's D uh, slash Bitcoin on Namecoin on t- in 2011. That's like the the uh, name essentially. It's a simple text. It's not like right. anything more than that, but it's mm-hmm. it is simple and very like uh, I guess archaic, <laughs> you could say. But yeah. uh, it, it is the one that I consider to be the first NFT because it's transferable, it's unique, non fungible, ownable thing that is right. Right, it has it checks all the boxes. Yeah. What are some like I know I know uh, you're a big uh, not proponent but like fan of like puny codes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you re- can you remind the audience and like uh, t- t- like tell the audience a little bit about puny codes and like what those were? Yeah, sure. So uh, let's be clear, like from the start, like puny codes is not a like a tangible, previously launched collection or project. It's not that. It's a group of assets that share some common traits, and people around these assets, like the community around these, they, they gathered around and they formed a community and they called it Pinnacodes. But Pinnacodes is not actually the name of a collection that was done in the past. Right. 
the assets themselves are those old assets in, in on Namecoin that were launched as a as part of a like they used the encoding language to store the things that you wouldn't normally be able to store on the blockchain. So uh, Pinnacle is a, an, an encoding language. Like, you know, we have like base 64, you know, hex and everything. So this one is another encoding language. It's mainly used for actually browsers, like how they interpret emojis and stuff like that. Right. So they used that that's uh, essentially encoding language to store like emojis, symbols, and then some ASCII art as well. That's Those are the ones like that are my favorite. So they, they really kind of essentially, this is what I always like, you know, to me about boundary pushing, right? To me, this is like pushing yeah. boundaries because you're limited right. to this like... Let's see, what art. can we do? Like what can we put yeah. here that, yeah, that yeah. no one else is doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was so, a so pure is, expression of just like, oh, I want to do this. I want like, oh, how cool would it be? Yeah, this if is so on, cool. They're putting uh, data into the names of the name coin chain. Is that right? Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, and and using Cooney code to encode it. Of course. Yeah. Is there a, a length limit, for example? Or a limit yeah, on there the is. Data I think size? there's yeah. like, a, well, I don't remember, but the byte, byte, there is like a byte limitation. It's really right. small. Like you can have, I think, 20, <laughs> 28 characters or something. I don't know. Wow. So, so what they did is just like, okay, so whatever we can do with that. And some of those are likely still for commercial reasons. So not purely artistic, I would say. Like, mm. I mean, I mean, like art, art can be commercial as well, but like uh, mm. they did it pro- possibly for purely like uh, as a domain right. name or something maybe. Right. But there is a lot that clearly look like they are done for artistic purposes. And actually we discovered later on that one third of the entire, like the group of assets that we call Pinnacles, one third of them were done by actually a rare paper artist. Like, uh, oh, oh, wow. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah. Hallucifile. He's, he's done like, uh, I think, three, four rare papers. He's done other stuff as well on, on Counterparty, like uh, Mafia Wars and Kaleidoscope and stuff like that. So right. And like, at the time, it was at the time, there was not a community of people that were doing this, that were no. like, chatting with each other and do it was just like oh so there was a chat yes there was oh, there like was a, a chat there was a chat of like there is namecoin forum and they're asking like oh how can we do this and stuff and they were like and and some someone shared a logic and then people started doing more but it wasn't right. like uh oh let's yeah. launch a project or something it wasn't right. like always now i actually consider it a bit more decentralized actually it's like even yeah. more kind of completely independently driven sort of or, or community driven but it's, yeah. not, it's you know it's not what we understand as a collection as we do today. You know, it's different from how we understand it today. Right? Is Namecoin is defunct now? Yeah. How do these? No, um, no, it's still no. functional. It's wow. It's actually super. Like one of it's very interesting because there is this thing called merge mining, and okay. when you're yeah. basically mining Bitcoin, you can actually mine Namecoin as well without Got extra it. cost. And because of that, Namecoin is like, I think it, it's already like 60-70% of miners do it. So Namecoin has one of the highest actually hash rates and, and very like a strong wow. network actually. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I yeah, didn't realize so cool. that it was still around, which of course, you know, impressive part of but blockchains. But I mean, the and actual then, mission of Namecoin, yeah. which is the, you know, the centralized DNS, that's... I, I mean, people are working on it, but I mean, we can't, I don't think it's a success story. Like there is no, yeah. you know, right. like a functional, very common spread, widespread website that you know that uses that bit. Right. So in that context, I feel for, for, for people like me, the biggest appeal for Namecoin is this, all the sets that, you know, seem collectibles to us. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And does was was the Kevin Kevin McCoy um, yeah. Quantum on Namecoin as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on Namecoin. Cool. That's like the but big debate. It wasn't the first. It was the first to have an image. Is that the distinction? No, actually, even there were even images before that as well. But that was the uh-huh. first one that was launched with the pure intention of like uh, you know uh, launching an art project and let's make an artwork him and Anil yeah. Dash like let's get together right. we're making right. art on the blockchain and right transferring now. it yeah. to other people yes part, totally yeah. got it and then yeah. and then they re and then just take us through really quick that controversy because they they sold it at an auction what in 2021 and all the hype but what they sold was like a wrapped version Yes, right? so not not even wrapped. They, so it's this is like it's a very interesting debate, by the way. This is actually like yeah. we can talk about it because it actually goes into the debate about the provenance and off chain yeah. provenance, mm-hmm. on chain mm-hmm. provenance, and all of those things. So what happened in 2021 was Kevin McCoy. He he basically so Namecoin is you know it, it's a normally designed as a DNS, so the assets actually expire. What happens is that. Uh, oh, right. Expire, mm-hmm. The ownership of the asset expires, so asset returns to the pool of available names. So anyone can grab it after that point. Like it's still there on the chain, but it, you don't own right. it anymore. Right. So then, what happened is that Kevin McCoy essentially had it that expire. He didn't renew it, and then in 2021, he sort of like said, "Okay, I'm you know I'm an artist, and I made this thing, so I'm gonna redo it." He completely into the completely new means right. token on ethereum right. right but the image itself is the same image from 2014 right the same hash that was also on on sure. coin but also hash on ethereum and he sold that uh, through sotheby's but then another guy and actually a company i think they actually grabbed that name on namecoin right what the the I guess the question is why didn't kevin mccoy <laughs> go back to Namecoin and re-up the th- why like it seems like that would be the first step. I would also do probably that. I think <laughs> one reason was like he's an artist, and in the end of the day, I think his main goal is essentially doing art. So he's not yeah. really thinking and a lot about of artists in the space. Like you, you, if you're not crypto native, if you're coming from traditional art world, I think you will probably value off-chain provenance a lot more than the on-chain provenance. So this, you know, artist's hand argument, right? So, and I'm not against this, by the way. I'm not, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Uh, no, totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, there's no right answer. It, it, it It's, it's a complete, like, you have to, you just sort of have to, like, muddle your way through. It's, it's. It's very much like a V1, V2 punks thing. It's yeah, like similar. Right. Yeah. I think similar. I mean, this this is like this topic is really interesting, actually. Like the whole, you know, it you you start to go into the copyright as well, maybe, and you know, all these things. It becomes really a funny, I think, discussion. So yeah, I mean, like it's it's a it's a like the, you know, you know the lawsuits, right, right? I mean, there was like a lawsuit and there was a decision actually. The lawsuit was actually like the person who sued was the guy who grabbed the asset actually right and mm. he said that he reached out to kevin mccoy to kind of like uh, oh we can make it maybe make a deal or something but it didn't yeah. work and then yeah <laughs> he sued mccoy saying that his sale is undervaluing his asset uh-huh. in one sense like he owns the original asset that's yeah. the true right thing but yeah right. Uh, 
Like I, I literally read about uh, provenance methods on Wikipedia and stuff like, or or even went into the like deeper articles about it. Yeah. Like the way that provenance, even in the off-chain, completely off-chain world, it hmm. even there differs. So so the provenance of an archaeologic uh, asset is different from the provenance of an artwork. So you, it, mm. with art, you really have to have like change, change hands, exchange the hands. Like it, it needs to go from the artist to the buyer and from the buyer to the next buyer and so on. While with archaeology, it's a bit like less important. So this kind mm. of, this thing fits both. Like it's an old art. So <laughs> like it's, it's very, you know. Yeah, it checks both boxes. Yeah, totally. It's so, yeah, it's so interesting. I tend to sort of like take the view that the artists, you know, we're, that, that nothing, that nothing fundamentally different is happening and it's, and it's still just the artist's will, you know? Yeah. If an artist were to make a painting one year and say, this is the painting and then sell that painting and then the next year, make the exact same painting and say, you know what? That's no longer the painting. This is now the painting. I would be like, okay, well, they clearly think that that painting is no longer the painting for whatever reason. So I'm going to say that this is now the painting. Yeah, you know, like, all, so the, same, clear, all right? the same questions still exist. I'm just saying from my perspective, yeah. I, I generally come down on the side of the artist. Yeah. And that's clearly the like mimetic. There was a mimetic bridging when Kevin McCoy released the ETH like edition or version version. Yeah. But they're clearly two separate objects, right? Even in the right. painting metaphor, they're two separate objects. They're two separate objects. Yeah. And so like, I don't know the actual context, right? Like if this person just like registered this name and then Kevin realized and was like, Oh, well, I'll just make a new one. I can see how they would be like mad about that because there's this belief in you acquired like, a specific object and then the artist says oh no that was a that was a test edition that i did there and i'm going to sell the actual one for millions yeah but it also there could be more context there that we're not aware of yeah that's super interesting though and it it's does a exist very in similar both. debate to the one we yeah. choose actually like, totally like the, the, the i mean like I'm a bit, I think, like, I'm, I agree with John, actually. I think I'm a bit more also, like, uh, artist's real side. By the way, I own a V1, and I don't know when we own a V2, but I still feel um, like V2 is the, like, real CryptoPunks because that's the one that, that artist says so. Right. So that's, that's how I feel yeah. as well. This is the it, social consensus like, I'm a bit, layer. like, also open. Sorry? Huh? Oh, sorry. It's, it's, like, it's the social consensus layer. Yeah. It's like uh, truth yeah. is what everyone believes, and in a certain way, that's become the V2. Which, especially leading up into, I mean, we can go down this entire path because I, I will talk about this forever. But but the last year, especially this real push towards once the wrapper was finally made and the real push towards making V1 a thing was, for me and Matt, it was like dizzying. It was like, what is happening here? Because we had Matt and John on the podcast talking about this. Like we had, it was settled. You know what I mean? It was like a settled, mm, totally. as yeah. far as no we were concerned. V1 punks in years until the archaeological movement. Until that started to happen. And, and, and then, then and there then, was a narrative and then there was value but, but and, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the new people were sort of like unaware or or didn't 
or didn't feel as strongly about sort of like Hemba's role and like, because Hemba, I don't know if you knew about this map, but there was a guy Hemba who had claimed originals and Hemba was the one that was like really taking advantage of the bug. Like Hemba had, I don't know how many there were. There was like some number where Hemba had like bought the punk, but kept the money or whatever. And once they released the second one, Hemba had all of, you know, Hemba had a bunch of V2s and they had a bunch of V1s because that's what they had. And then they sold a lot of their V2s early on. Mm. And then when things went crazy, they had all these V1s and Hemba became the cheerleader of like, of like V1, 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 V1. And everybody was like, no, man, Mm. you sold your V2s. We see what you're doing. Like, we understand. where does your vested interest come from yeah totally and a lot of people didn't have that context and so then anyway and that cheerleading happened like during the v2 split or during the archaeological i would say more like more like in the 2020 run-up in 2021 it It was like interesting yeah Yeah, that's like it's very hard because like in in i i mean i've written a lot about it and i did a lot of criticism of that moment in that moment when it was happening as well. Yeah. And the reason, for example, I own everyone is that I, I think that like just from a purely investment purpose, like I think that it will have value and that's why I have it. Yeah. But from a, like a more, how to call it like a art or from mm-hmm. a, the thing, why, why do we care about punks? It, it, personally, right. I care about punks because they push the boundaries, right? So they, yep. They did the mm-hmm. first generative art on on any blockchain. They did the first PFP on any block. Well, sort of like uh, I guess generative PFP on any blockchain. A lot of like pixel art, lots of like firsts, right? Mm. Like lots of firsts for punks. Very big firsts, not like niche firsts. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So if if that's the reason I care about it, right. the way I think about it is that then you know this is about like an artist doing something cool. So. I will care about what artist says about this. That's that's kind of how I feel and it. they and they and they're extremely clear about it, right? Like they're they're yeah. very clear that V two is 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 yeah. is the one. But, uh, but I also, very much agree that psychological effect of like this is the thing that they deployed first. Like yep. this is yep. this is the artifact. Yep. Right. This is. I always thought that V ones belonged in a museum. I always wished that everyone could like, and this is not realistic, <laughs> but like that there was like, my my wish for punks was that there could be a DAO, it's a punk mm. DAO, the DAO owns all of the V1s collectively. Yeah. And that's just where they sit. They sit there with the punk DAO. That's my dream. That's my like totally. my dream world. Well, yeah. then I I'll wanna, fractionalize. I wanna, Go ahead. So I don't want to bash the V1 moment too much. Like in the end, yeah. like what they're talking about, like, so this is the argument, right? Like they are saying that, okay, if if we're not going to care about the timestamps, which is the very thing that, yeah. you know, the yes. life paper yes. 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 says, then, yeah. then what are we doing here? That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Yes, sure. And it's not wrong. Like it's a, it's a good argument. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think like there is merit to listening to that side as well. It's just, uh, I think it's everyone's personal choice. Like for me, like, you know, I could afford V1, so I bought that, and then I think there is, you know, value in it in the future. But for like, if if what I would desire or what I consider to be the the thing that pushes the boundaries and the thing that is the art is the the V2. That's how I see it, at least. 
So switching switching gears, I want to talk to you before we get to Chaos Roads, which I which is what we're going to talk about. I want to get into this co- the concept of on chain art to begin with, and as a way into that, I would love because I I have this like I have this sort of sense that like and and I and I would love to hear what you think about it like that autoglyphs did on chain in such a different way than what we see most other projects doing on chain with. And I would like you to compare the different flavors of on chain and sort of like the, the gradient of, of on chain that has sort of developed with art blocks or with death beefs or with autoglyphs where how do you how do you view this con the the sort of constellation of different and and what the hell does in chain mean yeah yeah and then and then in chain as well yes absolutely yeah i love that you asked that so uh the the way i see yeah there is a lot of you're right like it's a spectrum i think that's a good that's the kind of the yeah uh, implication behind this question and it's true so it's about what you consider i guess on chain right so even early on, you can look at things like uh, even that quantum, for example, has an on-chain hash, right? So there is a, right. you know, there is something on-chain that sort of verifies something. It doesn't verify in two two directionally, like bidirectionally. It, it verifies if you already know the image, you know that it's there. So there is some some advantage of having something on-chain there. Uh, Punicos, we discussed it, like it's decoded things, and when you right. Like, Sorry, encoded things. So if you decode them, they turn into some image, sort of. So that's also maybe on chain. But I think the the main, I guess, like I like everyone accepts that as well, is the you know autoglyphs is the one that sort of pioneered that on chain art movement or on chain gen art movement at least. And I, of course, it's true because they they took it almost. If you consider like steps to get to where we are today, <laughs> if they are like if the maximally on chain thing is a hundred percent, I think what autoglyphs did is like taking it from 20% to 80, 85% or, or 90, even 95%. So they took it so far ahead, like uh, from where it was before, yep. which makes it the the very thing that is like the, the main on-chain art collection. That's like what everyone's, uh, you know, crazy about. It's my, of, as, a, as an on-chain art fan, it's my favorite collection as well. It's the thing that started yeah. it. So that's, uh, that's why I think it's so critical and important. So the way... What I want to know, what I want to know is why did I only mint one? Yeah, that's, a good <laughs> that's what I want to know. Why was I sitting there with my ETH in yeah. like I, in April of 2019 and I only minted one? Matt, how because many you minted? Like is 2020. Hey, I minted four, but didn't like even then. I think I only minted them because you were like, "Yo, autoglyphs are happening now," and I was yeah. like, oh, "I'm busy. I don't want to yeah. bother." <laughs> right? Like it's you don't know what's don't happening know at the until. Time. Yeah, years later, right? And then I've you know paper handed them basically. <laughs> like you don't know until twenty one, and then the whole world agrees with you finally, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. yeah, in retrospect, in retrospect, basically. Okay, anyway, so go go ahead. You can't can't hurt yourself for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we if we go into the like nuts and bolts of it, like there is. Like there is a way to say that it's not fully on chain. Like yeah. if it's considered. Yeah. Like, what's the what? What's the p? What's that five percent right. that you would say what, is what missing? What is it missing? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the it's the way that it's 
shown on OpenSea right now, for example. Ah, like yes, totally. What is exactly on the chain? So, right. what is on the chain is the those characters are lined up in the way that it's shown on OpenSea, but not with the rows right. under each other. Right. So, so imagine it like a full text string that goes on and on and on, like for you know yes. forever. Yes, that's right. The art. But the yeah. thing that the thing that I come back to about that specifically, mm. though, is that is that it is it is reproducible where uh, so much so much on-chain art would not be reproducible because in a in a post-apocalyptic world uh, where dependencies yes where, you know there's there's i guess there's right. no dependencies there's zero right. dependencies because so I guess, a human with a brain and a pen could recreate right. the artwork which is well yeah Single dependency, which is you need to know the hash and the algorithm, which is stored on chain. So I think no, but don't state, you? Isn't the isn't the isn't the ASCII itself there? Yeah. The ASCII so all you would have to there. do is follow the ASCII. You could you'd be like X, and you draw your so little X, thing, and it'd be like dash. That, right, but you need to reach. Sorry, but continue. Sorry. No, yeah, but the the algorithm to generate the dots and dashes and the slashes and everything. Right. Derives from the hash. And right, then right, you right. Must follow an algorithm basically to determine which, you know, what comes next in the sequence. So yeah, you so have the, to know hash that is information. Also there and it's done in solidity. So it's very, like, it's actually more on chain than, I, I would kind of, I go straight right. it's more on chain than Artbox. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. I would give, I would give Autoglyph issue, like a single dependency. Yeah. What is it? It's, it's a single dependency and it's the Ethereum state. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. The blockchain has to be around, but other than that, it doesn't depend on anything else. It doesn't depend on base sixty four. It doesn't depend on SVG rendering. It doesn't depend on three uh, JS and a browser execution environment and all of this or IPFS, etc. Yeah, it's as close to the metal as you could get, really. Yeah. The only thing is this: how the characters are arranged. So right. That thing, like you know how you said. You don't need anything else with human yeah. brain to do do it. Like you, with anyone with a human brain, they would be able to put it, put those characters next to each other. But you don't know where is the place where you put it under where each other. Like if you don't, if right. you didn't know about it, yeah. Like, but it's such a minor thing. I mean, for for me, like you know, this is yeah. <laughs> that's why yeah. I'm saying like five whatever percent that yes. is like yes, it's, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's really unique and, and beautiful and like you know, obviously a a big change in the entire you know nft space i think so so yeah that's why it gets that respect and then yeah we're talking about different flavors like yes these discussions go on and on like we, we discuss a lot in my discord as well and we discuss like with many other groups and communities this is a uh, like everyone considers something as a dependency matt you mentioned like browser rendering right so svg for example then you have JavaScript that also gets rendered they're accepted by all browsers in the world but you know you never know what can happen Yep, Flash was Flash was accepted everywhere too until it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so these things like you know there will be like always these discussions like those whatever you know rendering and so on that gets there. The art blocks, I think, of course, like popularized right the the on chain art. But the the thing that art art blocks does is that they put uh, JavaScript like the code that generates it on the chain. But then two things that make it a bit like. Uh, you know, I would say less than autoglyphs or or maybe other the more recent collections is one is the the rendering. The rendering comes from. I'm not talking about the browser rendering. I'm talking about the actual data of the rendering. 
it comes from the server, from Artblocks' own server. So they don't really render, uh, you know, like you, you don't serve it from the chain, essentially. Like currently they're all served, served from the server. This is not a big deal, personally, but I know a lot of on-chain fans who object to this a lot. Like they are, oh, like mm-hmm. this shouldn't be, you know, and, and stuff. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of purists. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and it's okay, by the way. I'm not like, you know, yeah, there yeah. is a merit to having things, I think, served from the chain directly. For example, what if the server goes down? Yeah, you can reconstruct the art, but in the time, in that time frame, you won't be able to like serve it anywhere. It's a bit weird. So, and then the second one is the libraries. I think like, you know, we talked about it already, like 3JS, P5JS and so on. Recently, these libraries are being added on chain. But again, like for example, is does it count? Because there is no link between the contracts. So if, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. like everything goes down, whatever, like, Mm-hmm. You'll be able to right. know. You'll be able to that information data. also needs to be committed, right? right. The information yeah. that this on-chain committed data is the three JS dependency, and huh. that information yeah. must also exist, and it doesn't by default. And so that's an assumption that people make, which is another dependency that someone yeah. knows this information. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah. I, by the way, I know that Arplox is actually working on a new contract that they're going to do something about this. They're going to... Cool. Oh, neat. I imagine they've lo- learned a lot in the last few years. Yeah, oh. and, and uh, they're actually going to use some there is some public tool someone raised like called Scripty. I, I tweeted about it, but it's like a really cool tool that sort of gets this data from Ethereum file storage, like the, the libraries, mm-hmm. merges it like or connects it to JavaScript code that you store on the chain constructs an HTML file out of it so that you can render from the directly from the contract but also the, since the libraries are directly got, you know taken from the from the chain itself it's also has the vanilla like output the vanilla js output as there so everything would be 100% mm. on chain once they release that mm. so that's mm-hmm. the kind of That's uh, lovely. That's lovely. I love that. That's so that's kind of, that's very neat and exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did look up the autoglyph source code just to make sure, but they do have line feed ending characters in the output of the draw yeah. function. So yeah. if you were following it manually, you would know where to put the like carriage return and uh, I, go I to the next line. I just know that there are stuff in the code that's written, like the instructions are written in the in the in the comments. Uh, but not really necessarily directly in the, the the issue is that the the comments aren't recorded on the chain, so that's why they're saying that you know it's ah uh, I see. I don't think you need any of the information in the comments. It's just data. The comments are there to say like this is what the symbols look like, yeah, but you maybe, would have to know. Okay, so yes, the dependency is you would have to know ASCII basically, and you'd have to, to know ASCII you'd have conversion. to know how to read read ASCII. Right. So definitely. But I think that the dependency of Ethereum existing, you know, you could break it down into state and execution. And so as long as you are assuming this is the same dependency that you can execute EVM code, you get the output strings, which you can then draw a rendition of. So if uh, we wanted to separate execution from storage, then that would be two dependencies. But I think it's a reasonable assumption that those are one thing in the case of Ethereum. But you're very much right to say that OpenSea doesn't display them correctly, and actually only Blur uh, does, Blur as far does. as I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They treat it as an actual text 
piece of art, which which is frankly makes it look terrible yeah. uh, on blur. <laughs> it makes it look terrible. Depending on your depending on your uh, yeah. yeah your vibe, but I, I kind of um, enjoy it. You know, I kind of enjoy yeah. the kind of that as is an it, interesting as it was thing, meant though, to be seen. <laughs> even though the characters are supposed to be the art and are the art, the canonical rendering is very much canonical. Like it feels canonical. So it feels canonical. That's yeah. um. It's something to when to they know. show it in museums, they don't do the ASCII, they do, they do the, the, this the, like print, of yes. the, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be yeah. cool though for did, them did to guys, actually do it out. Did you guys read the threads from 113, like the the you know, person in Math Castles? Uh, oh, yeah, about, no, what, what which thread? It's it's like the, the best thread about this topic, like uh, all the glyphs are on chain art. Then it says, oh, it's not on chain art. These are like a thought of these 2D visual pieces, but they're not on chain. They're not, they're not, the reliable instructions are not exactly on chain. And mm, then it says, oh, no, I it's should read this. extremely on chain art because the ASCII TXT output is the art. And mm. then she, uh, he continues, oh, but they're on chain art because the real art is the software that is deployed to the EVM. <laughs> right. The art is the algorithm, not anyone. Yes, totally. Okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and then he says, oh, but, you know, autoglyphs are not on chain art because the ABIs can't be reliably retrieved and constructed from the bytecode of the EVM. So there is no uh, yes. <laughs> so there so is a built-in assumption. Going, yeah. Right. It is. 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 Is maybe the only like what Autoglyph should have done is have their default callback function return or their their default return the the draw code so that even if you don't know the ABI, as long as you send a transaction, which uh, maybe that's also one more step, but like just send any con- transaction, you should get. Yeah, I mean, the, I think maybe the this, that thread is like poking fun at, I think the, the yes. right, totally at poking fun at the, at the, uh, at the minutia at the sort of, yeah, totally. And breaking it down. And that's just kind of what's happening with all of the on-chain spectrum is like, yeah, just which is slicing a, and dicing, which is a perfect segue now to tell us about your magnum opus <laughs> chaos roads. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've been in the, on-chain art world, I guess, or, you know, been following these things for pretty much since I joined, I think, this space, because that was the part that I found very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Not just from the practical permanence that a lot of on-chain art enthusiasts will keep talking about, like, not just, you know, that because you you will hear this thing that, oh, like, you know, your art will disappear, the servers will go down, and so on, which is true, is, like, merit to that argument, but I think... For me, what got me really interested into on-chain art, art, art was the like potential concepts that that come from it, right? Uh, like everything is so transitory, and this is like making it permanent. And and also the the whole medium is designed for financial transactions, and you're kind of doing it like you're doing you're storing art there where people actually are meant to store commerce. Uh, yeah. yeah, like the, yeah, they wanted to they wanted to trade, right? So yeah, and it pisses people off, as as you know, like the I mean. Much less on Ethereum, but you know, with Bitcoin, you know, yeah. Bitcoin maxis and so on. So, so this this element of like doing something that is not supposed to be done itself is very interesting. I think, I guess, like that's one another side of it. The other thing that I always felt very like appealing about on chain art was this the limitations that come from it, and yes. then then how yeah. you try to overcome 
it's like it's this like similar to this demo scene, right? So trying to find your way around it, like you know how we discussed Pinnacles, like how they got around that very yep. limited number of characters. It's similar to that, like or that thread it, you posted of of old internet BBS, old BBS board art, like like yeah, the yeah. it was a great thread, and like yeah, just like the 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 lengths people will go to to create art in spaces where it was not necessarily meant to be. Yeah, exactly. So so th- these are the like main reasons I really got into that scene, I think. And uh, the final thing that really is appealing about on-chain art is the the runtime. So when you think about Ethereum, like Ethereum is actually it's a, it's very unique when you think about it in the sense that it's a it's a computer that is always on. Like uh, you know, it's an always on distributed computer that's that keeps running, like it's been running for years now and, and no one is able to shut it down. And it's just, this is a very cool thing, like to think about it that way. When you when you think about Ethereum as a computer that runs always, it's always on, then you start to think about like the things that you can do with that computer essentially. So when you do on-chain art, it's not just about the storing the art, it's also maybe giving some dynamism to that art. So like there are some collections who've done similar things like this. For example, there is a collection, like actually even Uniswap, you could consider that Uniswap V3 contract does that. Like they create these uh, SVG outputs that change based on the... Right. The, yeah, like this. Yeah. And then there are some collections like from 2021, August or something, I think like some collection that follows the the moon's phases and, and like mm-hmm. it changes oh, based yeah. on that within the chain uses the timestamp, block timestamp. There is a collection called Evolvance that evolves within the chain again over time. Mm. So, and then I think the, the big one that really is very popular and also, I mean, they did a lot of innovations in that contract is Terraforms, right? Like the famous yeah. Uh, yeah. Math, math, math Castles. Like it's a, it's a beautiful contract, beautiful collection, interconnected. Like a, it's very, also it keeps changing on the, on the you know Ethereum runtime, these are really interesting projects. Like they're proper digitally native or blockchain native, even I would say, uh, type of collections that really like you know try to kind of things take things further. You know, you use the on chain not just even for storage, but also for calculation for computation. So this is what I think really got very interesting for me. So once I was doing these like art Ponzi collection, like this one of ones and and editions that I was doing, this was mostly for storing. But I did some, I think, what I consider probably interesting things there, there as well, like puzzles and so on. But then with Castros, I thought I should be doing something like different, like really, really, let's let's like uh, expose this. Let's really push the logic of this runtime in this collection. So yeah. I really wanted to highlight the runtime. So the real form of the art here is the runtime, the the you know the the visual or the music or the or the poetry like this is what i added into this collection i added like multiple art forms but all of them are essentially feeding from the from the runtime so this was the like reason that i i, I think i built basically the way that i did it runs like everything is run on, runs on runtime it's generated through evm so it's not like a data that uploaded got uploaded afterwards it uses the it re uh, it overrides the token URI so that you don't have to you know there is no it's gas efficient basically essentially so th- there is a the way that I did was I I was designed so it was almost about to finish the art Ponzi collection at the time so I thought like I should get into I did a few abstract art before but I wanted to do a bit like uh, 
I guess something a bit more chaotic, right? So I wanted to do really uh, some like paths that go nowhere, right? So these were like my original designs. So mm. I designed a few things and so on. I, I, I drew a few things. And when I was turning it into generative art, I wanted to make sure that the the pieces, so every piece, so first of all, they should have good variance, right? It's generative. So that this is one of the challenges with gen, gen art. You have to make a lot of variance, but also that variance should be like the one, param- I, I need to use one of these parameters that create the variance as a variable or as a parameter to evolve the collection. Right. So what happens with Chaos Roads is that every day, the pieces, the roads that you initially see are getting distorted a little bit more. It's getting more chaotic. So it's now we're at like eight day 44, I believe. So now they're already reasonably chaotic, but it will get way, way more chaotic in the, you know, throughout the next months and, and year. And while this is happening, there is actually also a melody in the background of mm-hmm. each piece. Mm-hmm. So the way that I did was that I used, so I learned how to generate music through the, the vanilla JS. So without any libraries and I, created some notes, but I also wanted to make sure that they follow each other in a sensible way. So they, they sound like a melody, not like just some random, uh, you know, some random noise. So I did that inside the Solidity as well. And then... Is then that I, the first time that's been done inside Solidity? I mean, the, the music inside Solidity was done before, but the sound, sorry, the sound inside Solidity, so the, yeah. the noise. Music, I'm less sure. Yeah. Uh, I... I don't know. I, probably not, but uh, you know. But and this is, and just to be clear, this, like we're talking about sort of in chain. This is sort of what Matt was saying earlier. Like in chain versus on chain is a distinction here, right? Like these. I, I the, don't know. In chain is like a <laughs> bit of a convoluted. I mean, it's a little. Probably it's a bit marketing term. To be fair, I think I stopped calling anything in chain because yeah. I've heard different people defining it differently. Oh, like some people define in-chain as the things that get generated within the chain. So yes, like what you said, John, so this EVM, I call it EVM generated instead of saying in-chain. Okay, example, okay. Yeah, person. sure, sure. But I also heard some people calling it in-chain means that even the, the rendered art, so you don't need a browser, it's rendered within the chain. So the BMP style files, like the PNG, uh, you know, the, the raster image uh, style ones, so so those are in chain. So autoglyphs would be in chain in that context, or or uh, the, most of those um, like PNG type, like pixel art and so on, like that are stored on chain. Those are those would be in chain in that context. I don't know which one the creators of that name came like they they thought about. So that's yeah. why I just call it on chain BMP or EVM EVM, EVM yeah. generated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so yeah, so the, the melodies that get created and also there is like, a, I basically like had, uh, I've done like, I think 30, 40 rows of a poem that finished with the, like a, that sort of rhyme, right? So, and then the contract also now picks those rows to create poetry as well, essentially. So there was like, a, I think like 90,000 possibilities or something out of the 400 pieces. So it also created poetry, but the, and it's stored in the description field of the, you know, right. of the, each token. So, so now you have poetry, you have music, you have visuals, visual is also animated. So you have all of this on one token. So you're essentially doing this thing that art is which one and, and, you know, what is the art there? But actually to me, or the thing, the way that I try to push it here is that the art is actually the runtime itself because the runtime is constructing 
it's not just the constructing during the EVM generation, like the, the first time when you're minting. The thing that happens in, in the art is that it reconstructs even every block. Because if you listen to the music, for example, and if you refresh the metadata and listen again, you will hear it differently. Like the melody is going to be the same, but the instruments change. Uh, um, yeah, that's awesome. And the same with the poetry, like poetry roles will change as well every block. And then one one last thing. Uh, so every day the, the visual gets distorted, but every week the music gets distorted as well. So new oscillators get added to the music. So when you, like, for example, right now we're like week five or five or six or something. And now it already doesn't sound like, like some smooth melody. Like in the beginning it was smooth, but now it already sounds like this a bit distorted, almost a bit more chaotic. Like that's the right. Purpose. That's how it, how it works right now. One last thing. It's also programmable. So you can, there is a function in the contract. Oh, I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah. So there is a function in the co- uh, contract called observe. So the whole thing is that it gets chaotic automatically, naturally, right? So in the, in, when you, you know, read about uh, the entropy, like the uh-huh. natural word is supposed to be chaotic, right? Like it goes right. into chaos. But we are conscious human beings and we try to maintain order in our lives, right? This uh-huh. is what we do. And there is this, you know, that's the concept of consciousness creating order. You know, you essentially affect the reality in your conscious observation. Yeah. Your conscious observation. So we have a function called observe. So you can move your token back in time of its entropy. So you can move the entropy from today's day 44. You can make it 18. And the whole piece, both the music, visual, poetry, everything will move back together with that entropy. So that's the, yeah, the programmable side of it. That is awesome. I mean, I've said this for a while, but to reduce entropy is to commune with God. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. reduce entropy. That's amazing. Wow. wow. Wait, so this you're, is so you're, So involved. you're writing that to the, so it, so if you do that, that's a one-way thing. You've just, you've just. You've just mm. you've just de-aged it by a certain yes. amount of time, and it's, it. exactly. and then it'll but, and then it'll it'll start from there. It'll go back again. You could conceivably keep yeah. your keep your chaos road young, <laughs> yeah. If you wanted but it, to it continue, it will go. It will again continue. So if it's a relentless like, forward march, yeah. And then that's the other thing. Yeah, like you can never stop the chaos. You yes. can control it sort of. <laughs> yes, but you can yes, never stop yes. It. Yeah, so that's, that's lovely. Yeah, that's beautiful. Wow. Is I there bought, a limit to the re- entropy reduction, the ob- observation? Yes, uh, no, not not a limit to observation. So mm. I guess maybe we could have put it actually, like, <laughs> like you, know, you die eventually. But no, uh, the entropy itself is limited to uh, 365, like the, you mm. know, the days, like a year. Until the end of a year, yeah. But again, like it doesn't matter if, even if it's a two year mark, you can still move your piece back to entropy, right. whatever, 35. And then okay, again, cool. That's really lovely. And then you can watch it play out over real time. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And here, you know, not to get crass, but you know, here in the in the heart of this like this bear market of which we've not seen in the NFT marketplace since I mean since Matt and I Yeah, I mean left the space back in I was 2019. Say, like, in twenty nineteen I left, <laughs> but I don't feel the need to do that this, this time. time. So but, something's different. I but I'm saying, you know, in in that in that environment, you know, right. you sold out and not only that, you, I mean, it's been, it's been, there's been secondary sales people. It's one, it's one of the few projects I have to say where I feel like 
it gives me some kind of modicum of hope for the space <laughs> because, because, you know, you did all this stuff, you did all of this work towards doing all this boundary pushing and all this stuff. And people do actually care, which is like you so often you see people putting in the work, doing cool things. And it's like crickets, you know? And I think it's, you know, I think it's a testament to not only the project itself, but I think the, well, a crass way of put it is like you are you are like a you are a generative historic NFT influencer. But another way, another way to put that, you know, the less crass way to put that would be, you know, you've built up this community around you of people who care about the same shit that you do. And there's not many of us, right? Lord knows there's there's a there's a limited supply, but like you're tapped in, you you're you've with your discord and stuff, you've created a space for people who do give a shit about, about this. And that's, I think that's really, that's really beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, it also is a testament to, I mean, the amount of work and the, the I guess the higher goal and, you know, the, yeah. the aesthetics, the everything, the, yeah, yeah the they're just beautiful. They're really beautiful to look it's, at. It's, yeah, it's everything really, really good. good. Yeah. So yeah, that's really that's really cool to see. And so yeah, for that to survive in moments like these is awesome. I want to ask as we wrap up here a thing that we very often ask, which is like any speaking of like under underappreciated or underseen projects. Is there anything recently or even not recently that where you were like, "Damn, that is freaking a good project." Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there is quite a few. I mean, I. It kind of speaks to maybe what you just what guys said as well. And first of all, thank you for that. I think like my maybe last one, since I started this Discord, I think it was like nine months ago or something. But really like this larger goal, I guess we could call it, is this kind of bridging the gap on, or like maybe showing that blockchain is more than what we're always seeing, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in this like more popular parts of it. And it's not to show it to only to blockchain people, actually, to the people outside the blockchain as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The type of, some of the type of the art that is being done, it's really not me, like many other people, like some of the stuff that are being done is uniquely possible with blockchains. And and if that is, this is a big use case, like to me, like to, to me, this is one of those things that bridges the gap between, you know, this, this uh, new technology, essentially, and the people who are maybe a bit more skeptical of the yep. technology. So, so, so this this is, I think, one of the goals, and almost like I, I almost feel like uh, you mentioned influencer. There is a, there is a, it's it's not that crass really because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do want to popularize this. Yeah. this movement. Yes, like uh, I think I think like the, and some of us like you and, and and a few other people, they are actually doing this. Like they, I, I've seen people doing like uh, why is interoperability. Is like cool, and they did like a video of like these funny animations and stuff. Like they're trying to popularize the things that are actually uniquely really cool, but you know we, they want to make it more mainstream essentially. So there, there is a there is some I think maybe glimmers of hope, you know, beyond the the meme coins and the and the <laughs> weird narratives. You asked about some questions, some some uh, projects that I find like, yeah. really interesting. So yeah, I mean. Among the upcoming ones, maybe by the time this is released, it might have been already out. Okay. It's gold by Crash Blossom, I would say, but it's not going to be probably under the radar because it's launched together with fingerprints and Crash is already like a 
You think it's on the radar? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know when that's launching, but perhaps before this comes out. Yeah, it's it's well, it's twenty first, I think. So yeah, Hmm. so that that's one. Uh, But from the ones that are already released, and I do think that are not getting enough attention, I, I kind of write occasionally about these collections. But again, these things that do the interesting work. There is a collection called Really Query that I find super interesting. Like it's. The contract is like already like almost like a story. Like the when you read it, it's like there is a story inside the contract. What is but this even called? The art, art, what is it art called? Is the reliquary, like uh, oh, reliquary, yeah, like, like relic, you know, like reliquary. Ah. What it does is that what I find the coolest there is that I mean it's programmable again, like similar to Terraforms. You can actually change the art, like you upload an image and then it changes the art and so on. But also, it's uh, every token collects mana points and as you reach certain stages of that point of those points you can actually change your art so you can change either the the uh, the, the pattern or you can change the you can actually add an image but also these these mana points they get halved if you transfer so you know it's one of mm. encourages i guess holding it a little bit mm-hmm. and then there is also this it's also sort of metaverse type like it it's connected to another collection of the same artist if you burn something from that collection, you gain some like that token <laughs> gains points. And what I like there is that it's not a token, by the way. The, the, yeah. This mana, it's not a token. It's attached to the co- attached to the NFT. It's not a thing huh. that you hold in your wallet. So it's uh, the, the the token accumulates that, not not your address. Huh. So you know, like there are really those interesting things. Like there is Orand. I shared like a, like a, I don't know how to pr- like properly pronounce it, but O R. A A and D, John, you would love that one. I think, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Matt, you would do, you would too. But like, it's a mu- music, it's music, but also like. Music. Yes, yes, I bought one once you tweeted that. Yeah, yeah, that. Oh was yeah, crazy. yeah, you did that. Yeah, yeah, I saw your buy actually. That one is really cool as well. It also is, uh, like, it has modes. So when when you hold it, I think eight days, uh, one mode gets unlocked. Then after I don't know a month, another mode gets unlocked, and the the it's like a proper. Commodore 64 emulator on chain. Like it's a very, you know, weird one as well. I really love that one also. Yeah, there's, Com- there's like the few. Commodore 64. That uh, like as soon as you just gotta say Commodore 64, I'm like, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the old school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there, there are there are a few of those like uh, yeah. you know, crypto social ones I really like, like crypto social aesthetics. So when you you launch a collection. But the actions of the other people uh, who own the tokens affect your art. Like oh, damn! Like oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So it, it's it's really like lots of. I think there are some really interesting stuff, but uh, they're very very. I guess you know they get clouded under the meme coin frenzy or something. Yes. Oh no! <laughs> totally. It's like it's a hard time out there. Well, Chain Left, thank you so much for joining us. This was just as fun and engrossing as I knew it would be. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you out there on the, on the, on the crypto Twitters. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me guys. That was fun for me as well. All right. Awesome. Thank you.